0: Well, welcome to Emmanuel. How's everybody feeling today? Pretty good? You excited to be here? I'm fired up to be here today. If you're joining us at Bantam, we want to say welcome. At Franklin, we want to say welcome. If you're joining us online, you're tuning in there, we want to say thanks for dialing in, and of course, welcome everyone here at the Greenwood Campus. We are in a series right now called Unoffended, and this is week number three. Before we get started, I just wanted to share a quick little story from last weekend. After the service, uh, one young lady stayed till everybody else was gone, and she wanted to ask me a question uh, about her sister, and her sister basically... In the middle of the service last week at 11.15, her sister leaned over and said, you know, I just don't believe in God. And uh, this kind of disturbed her. So she wanted to, to talk to me after the service and just asked me, you know, what do I do with that? And uh, I, I gave her some helpful insight and some, some pointers there. But I also just want just to point out the fact that I love the fact that our church is the type of place that people who do not believe in God can come and sit And explore the claims of the Bible and the claims of Christianity, and not feel threatened or judged in any way, shape, or form. Isn't that awesome? So, if you're here today and you're you're filled with doubt, or maybe you're an agnostic or atheist or a person of another faith, we welcome you here. We hope that you will move as slowly or as quickly as you feel led to uh, in this whole issue of faith. And so uh, this series is really about becoming more like Jesus. That's really what it's all about. We've called it Unoffended, uh, but really it's uh, just one more way that we're trying to train you and prepare you to act and respond like Jesus would act if he were you. And that's what a disciple does, right? A disciple is somebody who lives their life or tries to live their life as Jesus would live their life if he were them. And so think about that for a little while. That's what a disciple is. It's a student, someone who's trying to learn to become like Jesus, a student of Jesus, an apprentice. And so that person is trying to take the teachings of Jesus and work them out in their life. And so that's really what we've been doing in this series, unoffended. Jesus had some pretty interesting things to say about anger, did he not? Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, he simply said, look, here's the deal with anger. You've heard it said uh, in the Old Testament that if you commit murder, you're in big trouble. But I'm here to tell you today that if you have anger in your heart... If you call someone raka, which was this, this derogatory term filled with contempt in your heart, if you call someone a fool, if you just look down on someone, if you have anger in your heart, you're just as guilty as the person who's committed murder. He had some pretty interesting things to say about anger. Basically, his teaching on anger is this. It's too hot to handle. You've got to get rid of it. It's not productive. James, the brother of Jesus, said that human anger does not produce the righteous the righteousness of God, the righteous plans of God. And so we've been talking about this idea of trying to get rid of anger and become an unoffended person, a person who is unoffendable. In, in uh, the book of Proverbs, chapter 19, we've been looking at, uh, at this verse. Sensible people control their temper, their temper. They earn respect by, say it with me, overlooking wrongs. You and I can become the type of person who overlooks an offense, who overlooks a wrong. And when we do that, people will be astonished. They'll say, wow, can you believe that guy? Can you believe that girl? He forgave her, she forgave him. How did you do that? It is a glorious thing to overlook an offense. And you and I can become that type of person. Why would we want to become the type of person who's unoffendable? Why? I mean, what's, why not just be angry? Why not just be like the rest of the world? Just kind of offended at everybody and everything in the world. Why would we even try to become the type of people who are unoffendable? Well, it saves us from all kinds of exhaustion, does it not? Isn't it exhausting to get angry? In Brant Hansen's book, Unoffendable, he said this. I love this quote. He said, anger and rest are always at odds. You can't have both at once. Have you noticed that? You can't get a great night's sleep if you're stewing over something that someone did or something that some, uh, something that someone said. Right, and so it's exhausting. It also leads to all kinds of foolish choices and behavior. And behaviors. Have you ever said something, done something that you came to later regret that you did in anger? Yes or no? <laughs> yeah. And so there's a lot of foolishness that we can avoid. You know, this whole idea of being offended, it destroys relationships. You can't be in harmony or be in unity with someone and also be harboring bitterness or resentment against that person. So we want to avoid the destruction of relationships. And it also avoids just a whole bunch of distractions. You and I only have so much mental capacity, right? We only have so much room in our mind and in our heart. Well, when we're offended, it takes up a lot of space in our mind and our heart. And so there's lots of reasons why we want to become the type of people who are simply unoffendable. And so that's what we've been looking at in this series. I've given you some helpful insight. Hopefully, over the last two weeks, you've put it into practice. Week number one, we said, hey, let God be God, Right? We're not in charge. Jesus said that vengeance is mine, I will repay. And so in week number one, we said, here's the disciples' prayer. Not my will be done, but your will be done. I'm going to let you deal with this. I'm not going to take matters into my own hands, okay? I'm not going to be the type of person who gets back at everybody who offends me. And so hopefully you've been putting that into practice. And then last week we looked at this idea of just getting honest with yourself, Just admitting the fact that whatever that person did to you, you've probably done it to somebody else, right? And you probably have done worse. We said that dishonesty about our own condition produces self-righteousness. And so we want to get off that that pedestal of self-righteousness by simply getting honest. And when we're honest with ourselves about our own condition, guess what? What do we do? We put down the what? We put down the stones. We don't throw rocks, right? We walk away. The offense the offense is gone because we're simply saying, look, I've been there, I've done that, I've said that, I've been in the fast lane driving slow, I've done I've done that deal, and so I'm just gonna walk away from this situation. We talked about getting honest. So has that helped you last two weeks? Anybody has it helped you become less offendable? Yeah? Less all right, that's awesome. We want to put this stuff into practice or else we're wasting our time. We don't want to do that. We don't want to do that, right? We want to transform become new people. You know what this series is really all about? It's about becoming different types of it's becoming a different type of person. It's about being transformed. You know, the apostle Paul said that we are transformed by the renewing of our our, of our what? of our minds. And so you know what we're doing in this series, as we do every weekend? We're trying to give you some different ways to think about life. Because if you can think differently about life, then you're going to behave differently in your life. Does that make sense? And so that's all we're really doing in this series, is giving you some different ways to think so that you can change your life. So here's a new way to think, okay? When it comes to this whole idea of being offended, I just want to throw another idea at you when it comes to this whole, this whole issue of being offended. And here it is, ready? There's always... Another side to the story. Have you noticed that? Are you willing to admit that? When the offense takes place, when something happens in your life, when your wife does something, when your husband does something, when your co-worker said something, did something, employer, whoever it is, your mother-in-law, your whoever, whoever has done the deed, there's always another side to the story when it comes to that particular offense. Have you lived long enough to experience this? As a young dad, I, I, uh, I took action to help my wife with three little children. Now, our kids are a little older, so I don't do this stuff anymore, but I noticed there were lots of diapers to be changed, and so in order to help my wife or with the burden of all the diapers, I jumped in there, and I put a little system together. I figured, you know, this is like a pit stop you know, I had, you ever watch the races on TV, the cars pull in, <makes noise> tires off, new tires on, <makes noise> get that car back onto the road as fast as you can. I thought, you know, changing diapers is like that, you know, so I'd get the kid down on the ground and I'd put my leg on their chest, <laughs> snap off the pants, you know, pull that diaper off, wipe, 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 throw some, some goo on there, whatever you needed to throw on. You know, maybe they had a rash or something, some powder. Get that new diaper in there, legs up, whoosh, snap it closed, boom, boom, close back on. And that kid's back out to, you know, go ride or drive or whatever they're doing. And I was pretty good at this. I could, I could do it. I, any other dads out there, I could do this under a minute. I mean, why waste time? Let's get this thing down to a system. And so I, I would help with the diapers. That was kind of fun. The girl was a little challenging. That's, that was a little, that threw me for a loop there. But the two boys, man, they were... They were quick, I was quick with them. We had another system that I would help out with, uh, it was bath time, and the bath time was another, just a deal, with, and I saw it in my head. I was like, I had a vision. Like there's, 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 you get clean, you get your clothes off, in the hamper, you get in the bath, in the shower, and you get your clothes back on, your PJs, different clothes, you get your PJs on, and then you get your teeth brushed, and then, you, and then you're in bed, and then mommy and daddy have time. Anybody remember those days? So it's all about mommy and daddy having time. Y'all need to get out of here. So I had this system, and it was timed, and it was perfect, and I'm, I just, you know, and when everybody did what they were supposed to do, it worked beautifully. Except for this one night, um, we were getting, I was in charge, of like, okay, bat, the shower was going, clothes, everybody's getting stripped naked, and, and I'm trying to get my 4-year-old son into the shower. And normally he was very obedient, just, you know, in there, wash him up, get him out, and this, but this particular night, um, it was just, he was fighting me, and he was crying, and I'm like, what's wrong with this kid, you know, and I'm getting frustrated because I'm, you know, we're losing time here, we're not doing good on our, our anyway, so I'm, I'm trying to figure out what his problem is, and I just can't get him to get in the shower, and so I got, I said, Look, if you don't get in there, I'm going to spank your bottom, you know, and so, sure enough, he refused, and so I popped him twice on the butt, and you know, we believe in corporal punishment, all that stuff, that's probably not the right word. <laughs> We don't do that anymore because they're like 15, and I might get beat up in my own house anyway. (laughs) Um, But, you know, so I pop him two times in the rear end, and so he gets in, but he's still crying. And I'm like, what's wrong with this kid? You know, normally it's not like that. And so I didn't take enough time to kind of figure out what was going on. And I should have because normally it was very, very obedient, very, you know, everything would work well. And so I come to find out, I look in the shower, and he's got his foot sticking out of the shower. And I'm like, man, there's water getting everywhere. What are you doing? You know, I'm about to spank you again. If you don't do that, get your foot But when I notice and I look, I look and I saw on the tip of his toe, he was missing a huge chunk of skin. And it was all bloody and... And he was trying to tell me, but I had the two other kids naked and trying, you know, just trying to get them cleaned up. And I wasn't paying attention. Not my best moment as a father, okay? Not my, my I heard that from my wife, too, later. It was not good, not good. And so I'm yelling at him, and I, but then I see his toe, and I see his toe, I'm like, oh, what happened? And what had happened is right before he came in for, for bath time, he got his foot caught between his, uh, the, the cement and the big wheel. The, the, uh, and it had dragged, and it had to- literally tore off a huge, like, it was gross. And so that's why he didn't want to get in. And I was mad. And I was upset. And I had feelings I shouldn't have been having. And then I took actions that I shouldn't have taken because there was missing information in the situation. You ever been there? There's always another side to the story. In the the book of Proverbs, it's a great verse. The one who states his case first seems right. The first one to talk in a case seems to, you know, describe reality. Oh, it's like that. Until another person comes along and examines him. Until you get the other pieces of information. Until someone cross-examines the person. This word examine means to probe for truth. To look intently for truth. There's always another side to the story. Another way to say it is this. You don't have all the facts when the offense takes place. You don't have all the facts. I don't have all the facts. I didn't have all the facts. I didn't have all the, the the pertinent information, and because I didn't have the pertinent information, I had feelings I shouldn't have had, and I took actions I shouldn't have taken. I was offended. I, I thought my son was being rebellious. I thought he was just not listening to me and 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 just disrespecting dad and kind of doing what he wanted to do and, and you know being that that strong-willed child. That's what I thought. Boy, was I wrong. See, when the offense takes place, we have to be honest enough. If we want to become the type of people who don't, you know, get offended all the time, we have to become the type of people that say, wait a second, wait a second. I know this just happened. This is, the, this is what it looks like. But I, I don't have all the facts. See, what I've come to realize in my life when, when I'm on my game, I'm, 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 I'm able to say to myself, wait, there's reasons for this. There's, there's reasons for, for why people do what they do. There's reasons why that person sent that hateful email. There's reasons why that person is re- reacting defensively to this situation. There's reasons why that, that girl at school is, is always wanting to fight other girls. There's a reason for that. There's a reason why that boy at school is always bullying other boys. There's a reason for that. There's, a, there's missing information I don't have. I bet if I took some time to kind of figure out what that reason was, I could see a little, more, a little clearer. Maybe I wouldn't feel the way I feel right now. Maybe I wouldn't take the actions I want to take. There are reasons why people do what they do. Have you noticed this? Years ago, I came across a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I read it several times. It's a great book. And in the book, Stephen Covey, the author, tells a story, true story, about one day when he was on the subway in New York City. Some of you may have read this story. It's a fantastic story. It really helped me grow up mentally and emotionally. And he's on the subway, and he's there, and, he's, and, the, and the whole subway's packed. And, and all of a sudden, at one of the stops, a father gets onto the subway with three unruly kids. And they get on there, and the father sits right down next to Stephen and kind of puts his head down. In his hands. And the children are just kind of running rampant in the subway. They're grabbing people's newspapers, making a bunch of ruckus, making a bunch of noise. And for a while, everybody in the subway is like, kind of like, okay, you know, it's fine. They're kids. But then it just goes on and on and on. And finally, Stephen Covey says to the father, say, um, sir, would you, would you happen to, could you get your kids under control a little bit? They're really causing a lot of distraction. Everybody on the, they're upsetting people and, pa- you know, passengers on the train here. And the father looks up next to Stephen and says, Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I need to do a better job. I, I'll, get a, I'll get a grip. You see, the issue is we just came from the hospital, and their mother just passed away. My wife just passed away, and I don't know how to deal with it. And I guess my kids don't know how to deal with it either. And Stephen Covey says in the book, he says he's just sitting there. And he said, The craziest thing happened. The, um, the feelings of being frustrated or annoyed at this guy's children were gone completely gone and he says that, that those feelings and emotions were replaced with this thing called compassion and empathy and he went as far as to say to the gentleman sitting next to him what can I do to you in this time of your loss he wanted to help the guy I'm reading this story I'm like wow what happened what shifted what was different? The only thing that changed was that information was added. That's the only thing that changed. And because that information entered into Stephen's mind and heart, his feelings changed and his actions changed. What could happen if you and I became the type of people that withheld, withheld our judgment until we got all of the irrelevant information? when the offense takes place. Do you think you would be less offended? Yes or no? If we just would say, wait a second, I don't, I know this feels bad right now, I don't feel good, I'm upset, but I don't have all the information and there are reasons for why people do what they do and I'm gonna, I'm just gonna pause here and I'm just gonna figure this out before I respond out of these feelings that I'm having. John Maxwell wrote a book called Winning with People. It's like 25 principles to to win with people. I I love one of the principles in that book. He says, instead of putting people in their place, this has helped me so much, instead of putting people in their place, which is what we want to do, right? We just want to put people in their place. Let me tell you where you can go and what you can do. Instead of putting people in their place, put yourself in their place. What a a profound truth. Sit down in their situation. Walk a mile in their shoes. Feel what it's like to be that person who grew up without the father, whose parents divorced twice, who was sexually abused. Hold up. Before you rush to judgment, before you get mad, before you get angry at the person who offended you, the coworker, the, the whoever, hold up. Just, just put yourself in their place. I guarantee something's going to shift. Something's going to change. Some type of emotion or feeling. And then your actions toward that person, that person will change as well. Instead of putting people in their place, put yourself in their place. Wow. That's profound. That, that's changed my life. Am I perfect at it? No, but I'm a lot slower to get angry with the people in my life who do things that offend me. You see what we're doing here? We're trying to transform our lives by changing the way we think about the situation. So, how do we apply this stuff to our life? How do we we drive this truth down deep into our life? Practically speaking, I want to give you three quick ideas. Number one, Withhold judgment. Don't rush to judgment. Slow down. <laughs> Press pause. When the offense takes place, remind yourself there's another side of the story. You don't have all the information, there's reasons why people do what they do. I'm missing something here. Just practice the pause, okay? <laughs> Just call a timeout. Wait a second. Wait a second. Proverbs 29, 11 says it this way. Fools vent their anger. They fly off the handle. But wise people, they quietly hold it back. They sit down and they say, I'm not going to react that. I'm not going to react quickly to this. Because I bet you, I guarantee you, there's something I'm missing. There's something I'm not seeing. There's information that I need to gather before before I respond to this. Just press pause. And don't rush to judgment. Number two, seek first to understand. This is so powerful. Seek to understand. Now you're looking for information. Now what is it that I'm missing? What's the information that's lacking? What am I not seeing in this situation? You seek to understand. See, Stephen Covey uses this in his book as, as habit number five. His seven habits of highly effective people. Habit number five is seek first to understand. You think I'm stealing it from him. I'm not, because he stole it from King Solomon. <laughs> see? See how that works? He stole it from G he stole it from God. He stole it from the Bible. say, what are you talking about? Listen to Proverbs 18:13. Watch this. Spouting off before listening to all the facts is both shameful and foolish. There you have it, folks. <laughs> When you start going like this, without pressing pause to find out what all the facts are, it's shameful and foolish. Why? Why is it shameful? Because you're going to feel things you shouldn't be feeling. You're going to be like me in that bathroom many years ago, and you're starting to feel anger. You're starting to feel disrespected as a father. My child's being rebellious. No, he's not. He skinned all of the skin off of his toe. (laughs) Then I had to go look at my wife in the face, and I felt shameful <laughs> as she looked at me and said, what kind of father are you? And then I, was, and then I took it a, a step further, and I actually spanked my child because I was having all the emotions I shouldn't have been having, and I did something foolish. Why is it shameful and foolish? Because you feel things you shouldn't feel, and then you do things you shouldn't do, and you write emails you shouldn't write, and you, you say things you shouldn't say because you're having emotions you shouldn't have spouting off before you before you get all the facts is both shameful and foolish so what are we going to do we're going to we're going to press pause and we're going to seek to understand you know the best way to do that and it's got to be sincere folks you have to be sincere in this you can't you can't make a decision or you can't come to a conclusion secretly in the back of your mind about why somebody did what they did and 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 really believe that you do have all the facts and then kind of try to seek you know information to support the conclusions you've already found you can't do that okay you have to be sincere in the offense wait a second. What's going on here? And here's the best way to do that. You just lead with a question. Help me understand. You just go to that person and you say, hey, you know, when you said this, it hurt. When you did this, it was painful. It hurt my feelings. I'm upset. Help me understand. There's got to be a reason why you did that. There's got to be some missing piece I'm not getting here. Could you fill in the gaps for me, And again, this has to be sincere, from your heart. And then when you get that information, when someone fills in the gaps for you, it might not change the outcome. It might, even, it might not even change the way you feel. It might still be wrong what they did, right, to you. But at least you have a little bit more information that might change the way you feel and then change your response to that person. You know, sometimes when I do this, The only answer I get from this is that the other person's being selfish, and that because they're being selfish, they did something that offended me. Has that ever happened to you? Now, being selfish is not a very good thing. Do you agree? No one's going to get an award for being selfish. We don't hand those out. Not at church, not at the office. Hey, you're number one, number one selfish pig. (laughs) You know, husbands don't cheer their wives for being selfish, and wives don't cheer their husbands for being selfish. It's not how it works. Children don't cheer their parents for being selfish. Dad, you're so selfish with your time. You never spend any time with me. You're always at work. Love you, Dad. That doesn't happen. However, when I come to the conclusion that someone has offended me because they're selfish, I still have empathy because I'm selfish too. And this goes back to last week. Have you ever been selfish? Are you selfish? Yes or no? Oh, that's why you did that. You were thinking of yourself. Ah, oh. now I understand, and I've been there too. In fact, I've been there far, maybe more than you, because I'm, I'm a very selfish person. And now I have a little bit of empathy, and I'm less offended, and then I don't say what I was going to say, or I don't do what I was going to do. Why? Because I just have empathy replaced, has, has sort of replaced the anger. You see how this works? We're going we're to press pause and we're going to seek to understand and then this last one is so beautiful. so beautiful. Just get insight from others. Just get insight from others. Listen, your vision is limited. Are you honest enough to admit that? Your vision is limited. You don't see all that you need to see. You don't have all the relevant and the, the pertinent information. Right? You have blind spots. Now, This is especially true when you're angry. Come on, you go, don't, don't, listen to me right now. This is so important. This is especially true when you're angry because when you're angry, it's like your brain goes, you know, your brain goes to the back seat. Have you noticed that? Like you stop thinking clearly. Like when people get angry, they get stupid. Have you noticed? Have you noticed? I mean, Seriously. I don't know which is worse, anger that, that causes the brain to freeze or, or romantic love. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure which one is more effective. This is why when you're watching police shows, anyone, anybody ever watch police shows? The policeman will say to the person who's about to get arrested, you need to go over into the other room and cool down because you're about to do something that you're going to regret. And he's like warning the person, right? Because you're not thinking, you're angry, and I'm about to put you in cuffs. People stop thinking when they're mad. They don't think very well. So this is especially true. You need to get get insight from other people, especially when you're offended because you stop thinking clearly. Listen to what Proverbs says, 15. Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. This is especially true when you're mad, okay? Because other people can see things that you can't see. So you want to pull them in and say, hey, I'm really hot right now. I'm really ticked right now. This is, what, this is what happened with the boss. Help me see. Calm me down. What am I not getting here? How should I be feeling? What should I do in this situation? And you get other people involved. There's a great story in the Bible about King David. And if you don't know the Bible, let me just get uh, the, uh, the Old Testament fairly well. I'll just give you a, a, a con, the context of what's going on. David has been anointed the next king of Israel. Big deal. Saul was already the king, but Saul was a bad king, Okay. And everybody kind of knew about David because when he would go out and fight for Saul, he would kill thousands of people. He was, a, he was a raging success as a warrior, right? So everybody in the land knew who David was. But he was on the run from Saul in this particular story in 1 Samuel 25. And so when, so David's on the run. He's got about 600 of his guys with him. He comes across a guy named Nabal. Nabal's this wealthy man, knows all about David. He's got many, many cattle and sheep and all this stuff. Well, David is out there kind of protecting Nabal's flocks. For a period of time. But he's also on the run from Saul, and they don't have a lot of food. So he goes to Nabal and says, Hey, Nabal, listen, we've been kind of watching out for your shepherds and your sheep and all this stuff. And, and uh, could you spare some food for my guys? And we're kind of hungry. And so, you know, what Nabal should have said is absolutely, you're, this is, you're David. You know, they wrote a song about you Saul has killed his thousands, David's killed his tens of thousands, right? Instead of respecting and honoring David like he should have, Nabal just totally disses him. We don't say diss anymore, but do you remember the word diss? Oh, he dissed you. (laughs) What are you going to do about it? Don't let him diss you. Remember that? Okay, stupid. Very dumb. Very dumb. Sorry. (laughs) I was in high school in the 90s. I mean, come on, this is crazy. Um, Anyway, so, so he disses David, and David gets a Bended. He's like, well, there's a lot. He goes, he goes, there's lots of, of servants running away from their masters these days. You're just one of those guys, you know. And, and so David goes back to his guys and he goes, strap on your swords, boys. We ought to fight. <laughs> and he's so mad, they want, he wants to kill Nabal and all of Nabal's men in his family. Well, Abigail, Nabal's wife, catches wind of this. Thank God for a good woman, right? She catches wind of this. She gets together a bunch of food, a bunch of sheep, a bunch of, uh, of, of bread, and she secretly goes out to meet David. And she gets there, and she gets low, and she bows down, and she says, please forgive my stupid husband. She actually said that. His name is fool, and so, you know, forgive me, forgive him. Here's a bunch of food. We know who you are. We know that you're the next king. We know that you're awesome. We know that you fight God's battles. And she starts saying all this awesome stuff to David right? Because remember, David's offended. He's mad. He's angry. He wants to kill. Strap on your swords. And then I I want you to read what she says. Uh, to, to uh, David next. When the Lord has fulfilled, she's going to give him a different perspective, right? A new thought. When the Lord has fulfilled my, uh, for my Lord every good thing that he's promised concerning him and has appointed him ruler over Israel, so he's casting, she's casting vision for him. She knows he's going to be the next king. Watch this. Watch what she says. My Lord will not have on his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed. She says, when you get to your throne, when you sit on the throne, when you're the man, when you're the king, when Saul is gone and you're in charge, you don't want to think back on this moment and have a guilty conscience for killing 20 or 30 men because you were hangry. (laughs) Because that's what he was. He was hangry. That's where we get the word from, this story right here. You don't want to have to go, you don't want to have to think, oh man, remember all those dudes I killed? Because I was hungry or having avenged myself. And, and it's like something clicks in his mind. He gets, he gets this other piece of information. His anger had blinded him, okay? Remember, his brains took the back seat to his emotions. And listen to what David says next. I love it. David replied to Abigail, praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you to meet it today. Thank God for your good senses. Sometimes it takes a woman to think straight. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. Thank God for your good senses. And listen, he continues. Bless you for keeping me from murder and from carrying out vengeance with my own hands. Wow. Think about that. David was about to take matters into his own hands and and get vengeance for himself. He was offended and because someone offered up a different perspective, a different thought, a different idea, something that he was missing, it changed his actions. That's powerful. This is why in my life, especially when I'm offended, I pull some men in. I pull some, I pull my wife in. I say, hey, 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 I'm I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling angry about this. What do you what am I, what do you see? What, 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 what am I missing here? I'm telling you, I do this. I do this all the time with trusted people in my life. Because I don't want to make the, a, a wrong decision out of anger. Something foolish. Do something. Say something. Ruin my reputation. Ruin the reputation of this church. Ruin the reputation of my family. Pull, pull people in. Pull an, Abigail, pull an Abigail into my life. What are you seeing that I'm not seeing? in this situation. How do we become the type of people who who don't get offended? We're going to withhold judgment. We're not going to rush. We're not going to rush. We're going to take our time. We're going to press pause. We're going to seek to understand. Fools spout off before they get all the facts. And that produces shame and foolishness. And then we're going to get somebody else's insight. This is powerful stuff. This, this changes the way you go through your life. You become the type of person who, who can overlook an offense. You become the type of person that people look at and say, how, what, That's glorious. How does she do that? How, does, how is he so forgiving? If that happened to me, I would have blown up. How did he do that? you know what it is? You know, and you know what they're seeing? And the, the, what they're seeing is the Christ like life being developed in you. Isn't that fun? They're seeing light. Jesus said that we're gonna be light and we're gonna be salt and our lives would shine. That's what they're seeing. They're seeing a different quality of life. They're seeing a person who can deal with life in a different way. And, and, and it looks odd and it looks strange and it might even look weak. Oh, it's not weak, it's real strength. Strength from heaven you do How did you forgive her? How, did, how are you so patient with those children? How do, it's because you've changed the way you think. And we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. Are you getting this? That's the power of the scriptures. That's why every week, instead of me giving you my opinions about things, or, or, or I, I look, we look into the word of God and we say, here's what the Bible says. And we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. And that's how we make disciples. And Jesus said, Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, and I'll be with you the whole time. That's what he said. And so here we are today, and there's some of you here, and you're listening in, and you're observing, and maybe this is your second week, or third week, or fifth week, or seventh week, and you have been listening in on what it looks like to become a disciple. You have been listening in on what it looks like to live an eternal kind of life. You've been listening in and you've been hearing ideas that can actually change the quality of your life right now, increase your joy levels and your peace levels, and you're, increase your ability to, to forgive and to let offenses go. You've been listening in and you've been thinking, wow, it'd be nice to have some of that. But guess what? You can, because the invitation is open. You say, Danny, you talking about joining a church? No, I'm not talking about joining a church. Come on. You say, you're talking about joining a religion? No, I'm not talking about joining a religion. I'm talking about taking up the invitation of Jesus to experience eternal life. A different way to live, a different way to go through this life without anger. Can you imagine living without anger? in your life, it's possible, you say I want that, how do do I opt in, you know what you do, it's very simple, you just put your trust in Christ, you simply say to Jesus today, you are the maestro, you are the master, you are the Lord, you are the teacher, you are the creator, I'm going to put my life in your hands and I'm going to trust you and I'm going to follow you and today I'm going to take what I heard and I'm going to try to put it into practice today and you watch and see what happens. If you'd like to ask christ to be your savior today if you'd like to put your trust in him today i'll pray a simple prayer you can take the prayer make it yours and you can start to experience eternal life right now where you are jesus would say to you come drink feed trust follow say to him right now dear jesus Place my life in your hands. I trust you. I come to you for real life, eternal life. I ask you to wash away all my sin and my shame, guilt, all my regrets, my past hurts. Choices. I give them all to you. I give my life to you. I want to follow you. I want to be unoffendable. I want joy and peace and hope and purpose. And I come to you right now for all of those things. Open my mind, enter my heart, and help me to follow. I pray this in Christ's name, amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, a huge part of learning how to live the Christ-like life of how to live your life as Jesus would live it if he were you, is by taking up his words. Jesus said one time, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Well, we gotta, we gotta take up the truth, we gotta know it. We gotta read it, take it into our minds and hearts if we wanna know it. And then we have to apply it if we want it to set us free. Okay, So if you prayed to receive Christ today, please go back to the back of the auditorium. You can grab one of these for absolutely no charge, free, a gift from us to you. If you prayed that prayer and you're watching online, please send us an email and we will send one of these to you in the mail. Can we give God glory today for what he's done? What a joy it is to be your pastor. What a joy it is to try to go first in all of this. I don't get it right. I'll be the first to admit, when I blunder it, when I mess it up and trip up, you listen, it's, it's, it's going to happen. And, but that's how we grow, right? That's how a child learns to walk or a child learns to ride a bike or we, turn, or we learn how to play an play a instrument. At first, it's real ugly. <laughs> but then it gets better. And then it gets better. And then sure enough, you start to live your life as Jesus would live it if he were you. And that's what we're up to here. So I invite you to take this journey with us as we continue to push forward. Will will you pray with me? Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your word. We can lean into it, look to it, understand it, absorb it, read it. Help us to apply it. Help us to become the type of people who, who don't rush to judgment, who seek to understand and to get insight from others to help us. Help us find the missing information that we have so we don't act foolishly and feel things we shouldn't feel. We love you today. Thanks for helping us to become a little bit more like you or at least giving us the information we need to become more like you. I pray for those who put their faith and trust in you today. Give them the courage to grab a Bible and begin reading. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you. We will see you next week for week number four of Unoffended.